In the words of one of my favorite people, hi everyone, and thank you for your prayers and for your messages as we were apart from each other during a time of testing and now I anticipate prostate surgery sometime next month and then a period of recuperation after that. And on the strong advice of my doctor, I am isolating until that time because in his words, if you test positive, even though you're vaccinated, we are not gonna knock you out for another six weeks. And so while that's a challenge for me, obviously, it did dawn on me that I might be able to drop in a virtual sermon with your understanding from time to time, which I'm very happy to do today on the basis of a passage of scripture that you heard a moment ago from the book of Ephesians. Now, I have already preached from Ephesians just last month. Pastor Yared preached from Ephesians just last Sunday, but today, we come to the end of that book and one more passage that I want to talk to you about one more time. And in case you weren't here or you happen to forget, what we're talking about is the letter that St. Paul wrote to the Christian church or the community in the ancient city of Ephesus, which is located in what was known as Asia Minor and today is Western Turkey. And that letter was written in and around the year 60 AD. And because of its timing as well as its content in which St. Paul refers to himself as an ambassador in chains, we know that this letter was written by Paul while he was under arrest in the city of Rome. And that at the same time, he also wrote two other letters, one to the Christian church and the community in the city of Colossae, which was also in Asia Minor, further east of Ephesus, and another to an individual by the name of Philemon, who was a resident of Colossae, a member of the church and a friend of St. Paul. And since Ephesus was on the way to Colossae, and since the mail moved even more slowly than it does today, and since Paul wanted to say some things to the Ephesian Christians about their ministry in that very pagan city, and also a cosmopolitan one, he adds that third letter to the Ephesians, along with his letter to the Colossians and his letter to Philemon. And at the end of that letter to the Ephesians, Paul introduces a subject or a topic known as spiritual warfare. Not one that we talk about very much uh, in our circles today, I'm afraid. Uh, but one of the things I have been doing lately is uh, outlining a sermon series for some point in the future here at St. Andrew that includes the topic of spiritual warfare. So I don't want to steal too much of my own thunder, but let me just say that when we talk about spiritual warfare, we're not talking about physical wars between armies. We're not talking about conflicts among nations or individual disputes. And we're certainly not talking about this idea that somehow if you are a Christian, that automatically means that God is on your side in every war or battle or conflict that takes place in this world. Because the fact of the matter is that Christians have done some very unchristian, some very ungodly things in the course of our history. So when we talk about spiritual warfare, what we're really talking about is the battle between God and the devil in the context of your life. We're talking about temptations, commitments, decisions, priorities, how you spend your time, how you use your money, how you treat your relationships, how you even look at the circumstances of your life, whatever they happen to be. And, and that's what St. Paul is talking about when he says to the Ephesians that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of evil 
or as we might say in more modern times, most of the struggles that we have in our lives and our relationships are at their core spiritual in nature. And I think that's true. And so I would invite you to spend a moment thinking about one or more of the spiritual battles that you've already experienced in, in your own life or that you may be going through right now, maybe even in secret and in ways that tempt you to maybe ignore the will of God or to walk away from God or to think that God is somehow walking away from you because there are a thousand variations on those kinds of spiritual battles that we face every single day. And as you do think of one or more of those spiritual battles in your own life, remember that the Greek word in the New Testament for devil is the word diabolos, which literally means liar or one who dwells in the land of falsehood. And so earlier in Ephesians, Paul says to the people of Ephesus, do not give opportunity to the devil. Do not give opportunity to the liar and allow him to convince you that it's okay to walk away from God just with this once or that God will not forgive you of what you have done or that God isn't interested in you personally and is somehow walking away from you. Those are all Satan's lies. And if you believe the lies and you believe the liar, then you are going to shipwreck the life that Jesus has for you and for which he died for you and for me. And so having introduced this topic of spiritual warfare, St. Paul then goes on to paint this word picture of what it's like to arm yourself for one of those battles when it does come your way. And the image he uses is that of a uniform of a first century Roman soldier. Because remember that Paul wrote this letter while he was under arrest in the city of Rome and may have actually had one of those guys within his field of vision. And so he uses the uniform and its component parts to talk about what he refers to as the armor of God. And it includes the belt of truth so that you and I can surround ourselves with the promises of God in the face of every battle. The breastplate of righteousness, or in other words, a right relationship with God in Christ to protect and cover your heart. He talks about the shoes of the sandals of, of peace so that you have the power to go in peace into whatever this life happens to bring you. The helmet of salvation to cover your head because what do you do with your head? You think, think about your salvation and how it brings life to everything else for you. There's the shield of faith because in ancient and medieval warfare, soldiers carried these shields which could have been the size of a door and sometimes they were covered by leather and soaked in water because the enemy would fire flaming arrows at them, which Paul refers to. And that shield would extinguish those arrows and protect those soldiers and sometimes they'd even stand side by side with their shields together to create one big massive shield to protect each other as well as themselves. And then there's the sword of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, which isn't just something that's defensive, it's an offensive weapon for the spiritual battles that we face in our life. 
And the whole point of all of this is, of course, that God wants us to be dressed up in the uniform, the wardrobe, the body armor of Christ for those battles before they start so that we will be ready in the sufficiency of his grace when they do come our way. Because the objective of the liar is not to hurt you, it's not to injure you, it's not to make you sick, it's not to lead you to sin, it's not to cause your grief. The objective of the liar is to tear you away from God. And so when we occasionally sing these old songs like Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus or Onward Christian Soldiers, we are not talking about physical warfare. We're talking about the spiritual battles that come our way and how we can be armed for them in the sufficiency of God's grace in all those component parts. Because the fact of the matter is that curiously, Onward Christian Soldiers was actually written as a hymn for little children while they walked through the town and the village in which they lived and onto the church or the cathedral to receive their religious instruction, like little soldiers in the army of God. Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus was written before the Civil War as a call to stand up for the truth of Christ in the face of slavery and its atrocities, which was and is a spiritual issue. And while songs like that stir up some controversy in our culture and the life of the church today, what they really do is they introduce us to something to which Paul introduces us in Ephesians chapter 6 as an encouragement to you and me for the spiritual battles that will inevitably come our way. Well, there's one other thing that uh, I need to tell you that uh, I hope you already know, and it's very important. And that is that Jesus Christ has already won our victory. He's won our forgiveness. He's accomplished our salvation. He has secured our freedom. And that's why we say with St. Paul in 2 Corinthians, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Does that mean there's not going to be a spiritual battle in your life? No. Does that mean you don't need God's body armor after all? No. Because God's word tells us that while we are saved by grace, grace is not irresistible. And there are those who are spiritually vulnerable because they do ignore God. They do walk away from God. They are not wearing God's body armor. The Bible tells us that uh, no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the power of the Holy Spirit so that even faith is God's gift to us. But scripture also tells us to fan the flame that is within you so that it doesn't go out and it doesn't grow cold. The Bible tells us to fight the good fight of faith. It tells us to work out our salvation. It tells us to abide in his word and to do a whole lot of other things so that we will stand firm and stand strong in the grace of God in the face of whatever spiritual warfare may happen to come our way. But while we struggle, we do it knowing that the final victory is yours and mine in Jesus. 
And so during the last few weeks, uh, I've been reading some books and I've also been watching some movies. And one of the movies I watched was the movie Midway from 2019, which is about one of the great battles of World War II and arguably turned the tide of the war in the Pacific into America's favor. And what strikes me about those movies is there you are, you're watching the battle and it rages, but you already know how it's gonna come out. You know about the victory that will come at the end and that gives you a new way of looking at it, a new way of hoping, anticipating, a new excitement for the future. It's kind of the opposite of Titanic, you know, where you know the ship's gonna go down even before the movie gets underway. But all of that is to say to you today that while God has given you everything you need to face whatever spiritual battles and warfare you may encounter in your life, he also assures you that the victory in Jesus already belongs to you as you surround yourself with his truth, as you cover yourself with his righteousness, as you wear his salvation, as you walk in his peace, as you claim his spirit and its strength in your life until, like St. Paul wrote in his very last letter at the end of its life and all of its struggles, I have fought a good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. And now there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which God, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day and to all who love his appearing. And for that, you and I can confidently say today, thanks be to God who gives us the victory in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And that is no lie. God bless you and God be with you until we meet again. <laughs>